Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him, and I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I., so yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam Ashi. We, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then out steps like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm like deer right there. Yeah, like, and he's 30 already yards. thirty yards. Yeah, he he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at one forty in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yard shot. Sent the combat veteran, and I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass Comey one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. This is the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, and the freaking cold front's coming. The bucks are going to be hitting the ground. It's time to get out there and get in the woods, and we got Damien Riffle on to tell you how to do it. Right now. <laughs> right now, like tomorrow. <laughs> yes. We are talking new moon hunting at its finest, an off-the-wall topic. We love to find these guys. We found them on the Exodus Trail Cam Radio I listened to this guy's podcast. It was a completely different tactic than I've ever heard, and I've fallen in love with it. And the new moon is coming up. It's tomorrow, guys, and the cold front's hitting. This is 
pattering out to be perfect. If you're in the Midwest, listen to this episode. Go out and kill that buck that you've been after. Um, let's get into the people that make this possible and get into this absolute fire episode. Sorry about the veteran broadhead. The bucks are hitting the ground with the broadhead this year, man. Yes. The does are hitting the ground. There is a ton of people shooting the combat veteran and veteran this year. The amount of support this broadhead has got from last year to this year is insane. And the only thing it is is, I mean, it's people are seeing the success of other people and and picking the broadhead. You know what I mean? And yeah. and with all this stuff going on right now, choosing an American-made product is pretty solid because you know it's <laughs> going to be in stock. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that's another reason that people are you know choosing it. Do you have the veteran VIP shout-out? Yeah, this week's shout-out is going to be Adam Brooks. And Adam served in the Army for 12 years. And Adam did two tours overseas and now is glad to be home and uh, spending time with his family which is uh, his wife and two daughters. And Adam is actually an Illinoisan. So um, that was kind of close to home to us. So uh, glad to shout you out here, Adam, and we appreciate your service here in the Army. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Two tours, that's a lot. I'm glad you're back home safe with your family. Appreciate everything you did. Um, Letting us be free and and release this podcast. Let's get an ECW calls, all your custom call needs, right out of Roseville, Illinois. Jeff, just like every other small business, struggling in these times of mm-hmm. COVID and all this stuff going on. Um, cool that we can still rep him and, uh, you know, help him get a little bit of business into that small town. You know, just a guy chasing his dream, another veteran making an American-made product and uh, trying to get some deer on the ground and help other people be successful too. So um, you can check him out at EmbryCustomWoodworking.com. Um, Exodus. Um, we're going to talk about the render, and the reason we're going to talk about the render is because we got the render in on the biggest deer that we got to hunt. Yeah. Take the most solid cam you got, the most re- recent intel, and put it right where you think the deer is going to be coming out. Exactly. It's like the most simplest thing to do, but if you didn't have a render, can't do it. You know what I mean? Yep. Got the most solid cam in the game, right on the biggest deer that we got, where we think he's coming out. We might be wrong, we might be right. But we're gonna find out in about two days. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Right. Do, do we need to move this deer? Do we do? Do we need to move the? I wish we could move the deer. That'd be awesome. Do that we need would to move be the cam? super solid. <laughs> I we, know a yeah, good spot. <laughs> yeah, I know a real solid spot. Real easy access. Just <laughs> pop them over there. Yeah, just go back to the west side. <laughs> yeah, bud. just go over there. But anyway, yeah. But uh, we we got him in. We got it in on Magnum, and uh, we're excited to to be getting some pictures. And that's just the beauty of having a render in there that exact intel within minute and you know what another thing i like about the render i like that midnight update i wish all mobile cams did that because you have that spot where like your your mobile cam hasn't got pictures for two days and mm-hmm. you're like what's going on is it working yeah. is it not there working? should be deer there it's yeah. a good spot but there just hasn't been any deer there mm-hmm but that render sends you an update. It sends you a status report at midnight. Yeah, that's nice. Boom. So you know it's working. Like, I didn't get any pick today, but, hey, it's still working. I wish every trail cam company would pick that up. That's a super yeah. solid. That is a, it's a good feeling yeah. to wake up and at least have that notification from Scout Tech. At least a midnight yeah. status update. Yeah, so you know that it's still out there working. Exactly. All right. You have Last Breath TV. Yeah, I just want to touch on an episode that they put out a couple weekends ago, or actually last weekend, um, about Grant's buck of Harold. 
And a lot of people want to view their videos and think that they're not, you know, real weekend warriors or, you know, they're hunting some, you know, upper end farms. All these guys are putting in the, the weekend work just like you and I are. And they're making their own success by doing putting in the, these mock scrapes and monitoring these trail cameras, using the cell cams like they need to, and hunting smart. And when all of that comes together, you want it to be, you know, you want it to be that moment. And that moment happened for Grant here in this last week's episode. But he hit that deer in the shoulder, and um, it really portrayed that they are actually really hunting. And, um, you know, it's something that, you know, I feel like everybody should watch because it happens to everybody. If you bow hunt long enough, it's going to happen. And I think it was props to them for, for doing that. And, you know, it, there's a lot of great footage and it's, it's a great story. And, um, it's, it's just a great episode about bow hunting in general. Yeah. Being a normal dude out there. Yeah. That's one thing. Like if you look at their quality and how many bucks they kill, it, it competes with a lot of other teams and stuff that are going to multiple outfitters a year to be able to kill that many deer. Exactly. And these guys are doing it on their small small pieces that they've either got permission or leased or worked for or whatever. You know what I mean? And they don't say that a lot. People don't know that they're out there just normal dudes. They yeah. ain't hunt they ain't going to, you know, whitetail heaven or whatever. Like you know Grant what I mean? Teaches the eighth grade math. Yeah. Like, at a school. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not doing it full time. They're not out white till heaven shooting a velvet buck. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They're not they're not doing that kind of stuff. They're putting in the work to make these properties successful. And you know, if you hunt long enough, like Homie says, there's stories like this and I it's props to them because a lot of come a lot of teams wouldn't even release a story like that. Mm-hmm. But it shows realism. It shows relate you know, you can relate to these guys. People you know, you hit a buck in the shoulder. It happens to someone every year out there. You know what I mean? Multiple people. You know, and it just, it's tragic. But then, if you follow through the season, he comes out, like, you know, and successful on another <laughs> deer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, hard work, putting the time in. I mean, can't say enough about those guys. Ingram's Outdoor Obsession, all your taxidermy needs, right there in Oneida, Illinois, guys. The guy's still pumping out bucks. Solid friend. Had a little white tail talk with him today. It was pretty cool. Mm. Um, I told him, dude, this guy, <laughs> when you got to get on a deer, you got to get on a deer. Yeah. Uh, so he duct taped, he drilled holes and duct taped a sawzall blade to a long stick to cut some limbs that were up too high. <laughs> I'm like, if that isn't whatever it takes, yes, that is a definition of whatever it takes. I'm like, dude, I got a 20-foot pole saw you can borrow yeah. any time. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, oh, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah, just come out and grab put it in the garage. The, put it in the memory bank, yeah. bro. Yeah, we got yeah he duct taped and drilled holes and ran screws into a long wow. stick to, to cut branches with a sawzall blade. Guys out there trying to get it done. Yeah, get props to that. So, All right, let's get into the show. All right, guys, we got Damien Riffle on the podcast. How are you doing tonight? tonight? Good, man. How are you? Appreciate it. I appreciate you wrapping up the bear hunt and coming on the show and staying up a little late with us and podcasting. It was pretty cool. It's the first time every podcast was like, if I kill, I'm not going to make it. If I don't kill, I'll be on. So pretty <laughs> solid of you, man. <laughs> 
Well, unfortunately, well, I guess unfortunately, here I am. Yeah, so. no, I was like, I hope you kill me. Can't do this. <laughs> it's the first time I ever said, I hope you can't come on at the time I asked you to come on. <laughs> but uh, I listened to you on Exodus podcast, and you're, you know, the the moon. I don't want to call it a theory because it's not a theory because it's working. What should I call it? It's something that's working. Uh, moon process. I'm going to go with process, okay? Yeah, right. that, yeah, I've used that before. Your moon well. process is kind of, it's completely different than everybody else's. And I, I listened to the podcast, and then I backed it up with looking at my trail cam data, and I seen an uptick. And we're always looking for something that's off the wall or a little bit different than what other people are doing. And uh, this came off as like, man, this is, this is really awesome. And... You had a lot of bucks on days, strategy, you know, category to where you'd been successful year after year after year on the new moon. And uh, just go ahead and break down, or first introduce yourself and then break down the new moon th- process that you have. Because I can't, I can't call it a theory because it's working. A theory is like something that you're trying to prove. You're testing, yeah. Yeah, so it's not a theory. Right. It's a process. And it, it uh, well, I, my name's Damian Riffle, obviously, and I, I have about 25 bucks under my belt for using this theory or the majority, the vast majority of them, probably 90% of them have all been killed in a seven day window of the October new moon. Um, right. When everyone's like, Oh, it's the October lull. That's typically when, when I'm tagging out <laughs> and it's all based around the new moon um, of October. So the, it's pretty much the, the new moon, whatever the new moon falls on, like this year, it's the 16th. It's three days prior and three days after. So it's a a seven day window really that, uh, that, that I look at and I'm hunting only evenings and typically some, some type of food source, um, and if not a food source and a transition from where they're bedding to food source typically. Yeah. So when I listened to that, I was like, man, this is like the complete opposite of what a lot of people say, you know, they're saying, you know, the full moon right after the full moon is when they right. get, they're getting the best two movement, days prior, two yeah, days after. you know, and, and I've really never seen that. It seems like, it seems like you hit the full moon, you see I mean, the the moon hasn't really affected our movement a lot, it seems like, you know. But, I mean, we're not hunting in October. We're talking October here. So, in the rut, I, I haven't seen it affecting us a lot. But no. this year, I'm going to, I mean, talking to Heath, listen to this podcast, I'm going to pay attention to the moon a lot more. You hear the moon talk, and you're like, man, really? you know. But then you hear enough respectable people talk about it, and you're like, all right. There's something here. <laughs> yeah. There's enough people talking about it. I got to dive in. So I'm diving in. And like I said, after listening to your podcast, I went back, looked at the new moon, looked at my trail cam data, and I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, this is, this is clicking here. Something's clicking for me, too. And uh, anything that I can get one little tick up, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, I'm I'm and gonna I, I'm gonna know, try. I don't think it's it's right for everybody. Now now typically I'll say the the reason it works for me is I feel I'm typically hunting one specific buck or maybe two specific bucks 
And I know where he's betting. I know where he's feeding and I get right in on top of him. And I feel like with the new moon, if you can get in to his core area where, you know, he's hanging out and spending the vast majority of his time, I feel like that new moon at in that seven day window, he's, he's going to get on his feet earlier in one of those days and it, and, and present you the opportunity, you know, that typically he doesn't normally give you, you know, and it's, it's year after year. I really, I kind of stumbled into, to it, I guess in 2003 is the first buck I killed in the new moon. And I didn't really put it together then, but looking back, that was, that was the start of it. The next year I shot one in the same time frame. And then the next year I shot one in the same time frame, And that's really when it started kind of clicking for me that I was like, wait a minute, this is, this is not coincidental that I'm shooting these bucks that I'm getting photos of that are all nighttime photos. I'm getting an opportunity to kill them in the same window. And then it was another year and another year and another year. And now I'm, you know, 17 years later and 25 deer, you know, between my deer, my wife's deer and deer that I've put buddies on, you know, have all been killed in, in that window. So there, there's definitely, you can believe it or not, but it, it, it's proven itself to me. So there's, I feel like there's definitely something to it. Yeah. And like you said, it, it, it could be, you know, per property or, or area or anything like that. But what we're seeing is, Big deer, no matter where they're at, they do big deer shit. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you could go 100 miles away and big deer still doing big deer stuff. If you yep. go 100 miles away and you see a big deer in this area, pretty chance, good chance next year there's going to be another big deer in that area. You know what I mean? Right. If they just If there's a big deer there, he likes to be there. If he's doing something, another buck's going to be doing that, you know, in, in the next years. You know what I mean? And that's something sure. that I've seen consistently – um, there's a reason why they're doing it. Yeah. You know, there's a reason they've made it to that age and there's a reason there's a reason behind everything they do. And, you know, when they're comfortable and they have cover and food and th- there's, there's a, a process to everything they do. And when you kind of decode that, it, it, I think that has a lot to do with the moon phase as well is kind of, learning a property, knowing how they move, knowing how they use the, the, the topography, the structure, everything, and then putting yourself in those positions when you know that they're going to be on their feet earlier in the day, you know, gives you those opportunities to kill them. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, the moon, the moon theory you have to break it down is during that new moon, that six day period, or seven day period, they're gonna daylight or be up earlier than they ever would be because there's less moonlight. Basically, it's gonna get darker earlier. Correct. So they're gonna be up earlier. And typically, um, you're looking for the with with the new moon, you're looking for that moon underfoot. So when the when what that means after that last podcast, I had a couple other people you know message me or by what does that mean moon underfoot it's basically you know when it's overhead it's obviously straight over your head you get that rising moon coming up straight overhead and you want that rising moon to be basically overhead in those natural prime time movement hours you know right at 
you know, last hour of daylight. And then transversely, when it's underfoot, it's exactly that. It's on the other side of the earth, directly below your feet. You know, you want it one of those two two places. And typically with the new moon, you're looking at, uh, you know, having that moon underfoot typically in those evening hours. Yeah, and we've heard on a lot of other people, other podcasts and ours that people that pay attention to the moon are really big on that underfoot and overhead times corresponding with that feeding time in the evening and right. uh, have huge success with that. And like I said, that's something that I've, I haven't put a lot of emphasis in following. And this year I'm, I'm going to after listening to your podcast. So if you guys want to learn more about this theory, you break it down really good in the Exodus episode. Um, after listening to this, go there. He breaks it down into really depth. But we're going to dive a little deeper in this one. And we're going to talk about individual bucks, um, you know, when you kill them in that cycle of the new moon. Um, I was really impressed by, towards the end of that episode, you were naming off the dates, you know, and it was the third day into the cycle. It was the fifth day into the cycle. Um, it's super awesome that you have all that data compiled. I feel like a lot of people kill deer and they're like, it was November 3rd, but they don't know the wind direction. They don't know the temp. They don't know. And it you seemed know, like it, you had that stuff down, you know it, what I mean? Which was, And that stuff is like burned into my memory. Yeah, which you know, is the awesome. Whole Exodus, you know? The whole Exodus um, podcast um, started from, I was referred to them to do the Whitetail Cribs episode. And, you know, I went through a lot of those stories in that Whitetail Cribs episode and, people were messaging me on Facebook and stuff and like, how in the world do you remember all those, those details? And, and I don't know, but like it's, it's burned into my memory down to the, the times that I've shot them, the dates that I shot them. And, you know, I could tell you the weather conditions and, you know, all that stuff is just, you know, I probably should write it down and maybe I could even put some more, you know, information together by doing that instead of just you know going off a of memory but <laughs> yeah homie, homies the same I, way i got just kind of a thing for numbers i just yeah. all of a sudden remember numbers pretty good <laughs> and yeah and, i'm always like what day was that he's like third <laughs> yeah 11 o'clock 11 28 like he just knows you know what i mean i'm like i'm the guy yeah. like i'm looking over him like okay he's gonna know he's gonna know <laughs> see i'm the opposite i gotta write down everything or i'll forget ev- literally everything like i'm, I'm mm-hmm. absolutely terrible um, but, uh, so let's dive into that. I mean, 25 bucks over the last, which she said 17 years, right? 17 yeah. years. I remember yep. that. Not bad, That's right? Nice. That's nice. <laughs> Those uh, are odd numbers yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, kind of pick out some of the most memorable bucks you had. And then, um, I think it'd be cool if the people even went to the Whitetail Cribs episode after this and, you know, oh, yeah, being able to should, see yeah. the deer and, you know, go from there. Cause you're not killing just like. You know, 120 no, all deer. You know, you're deer. killing really solid deer. All of them are four and a half years old or older, yeah. four and a half to seven and a half years old. Um, and all of, I, all of them are 140s to 180 or just shy of 180. So um, they've all been pretty, pretty solid deer. Now I put buddies on a couple of those mature bucks that I didn't particularly want to shoot that were a little lesser scoring that you know just wasn't what i was looking for um and those deer were you know 130s type deer or whatever but um 
you know, they're still in that age category of mature deer. So doing what mature deer do. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, out of those bucks, just let's just pick a few that you're, you know, you know, most happy with most, you know, best hunt, whatever you want to go. And let's break down the buck, you know, kind of describe him, describe the setup that you're in, what day of the new moon and uh, kind of how you approach that hunt. And uh, I think there's, I think there's a lot. I was listening to that episode and I was wishing it was like an hour longer and you could dig into these details. You know what I mean? So yeah. I messaged Jake and I was like, Hey, uh, we're going to have this dude on. Like <laughs> I let him know, you know what I mean? I'm like, I appreciate you finding them. We're going to have him on and kind of dig deeper and kind of gave him the heads up and the, you know, the attaboy for, for finding you. Cause that's what we try to do. We try to find guys like you that are out there kind of low key getting it done sure. with a tactic. You know what I mean? So go ahead dive in wherever you want and let's just break down the details of of the new moon and how you how you were successful well that we'll do we'll go with the first buck um that i killed in the, the on the new moon and that was um 2003 and i uh it was a, a big nine point and i got it was that was kind of back in the the kind of um younger years of trail cameras i believe it was just me i well i know for a fact i was still running some film cameras at that time so the sd cards hadn't even like gotten extremely popular man isn't that crazy still, that's only like what 17 yeah, years nuts. ago it wasn't that that long was ago. nuts yeah and uh you know so i was getting photos of this deer and they were all nighttime photos and everything and there's a little food plot and I had a feeder out in it and everything was nighttime. And then as that new moon was approaching, which I wasn't paying attention to it at that time, um, I started getting like photos of him closer to closer to, to daylight. And then um, three days before the new moon, I got a glimpse of him and he ended up winding me. And uh, the wind shifted a little bit. It was kind of one of those light and variable wind nights. And, he, you know, he, he snorted and, and he just kind of nervously turned and walked off. And uh, then the next night, um, I saw him again. And this time he was coming in much more cautious. And the wind direction was good, but he circled way downwind and ended up catching me again. And I was like, man, what, you know, we're, I, was kind of disgusted you know that he had, had kind of had my number at this point you know and i knew he was on to me at that point so i'm like well if this is going to happen he obviously knows that i'm hunting this field edge so i need to adjust my tactic to kind of go after him so both times that i had seen him he, he kind of approached from the same route and i went down in, in the field edge about uh I was probably 50 yards in and I found a, a poplar tree in there that I could get up in and I couldn't get real high, but there's a small fork in it and uh, hung a stand and I hunted it that night, which was the new moon. And that deer, I, I saw him down in the bottom and that deer it started coming up the hill and he would zigzag. He would walk up about five yards and he would walk 40 to 50 yards away from me. And then he would turn and come back 40 or 50 yards. And he would stop. There was like a windrow of trees that he couldn't really get downwind of me, which was one of the reasons why I hung where I hung. And 
he zigzagged the entire length of that field scent checking trying to see if i was you know up there hunting and it felt like it took forever for that deer to work his way up the hill and finally right before last shooting light he stepped into a lane and i shot him at about 15 yards um and and that was the first one that i killed on him and his big huge body deer probably still to this date one of the biggest deer that i've ever killed body wise um score wise he's right at that 140 mark um just a really big mainframe nine um well he's a mainframe eight i guess with a, a split brow so do you, do you think getting these multiple encounters with these deer or you know being able to see them come in from you know a distance helps you be more relaxed like in the moment of trying to get it done um to a point i you know i i feel and some people i feel it it gets them more worked up because they can't talk themselves down um but i feel like i've going even going back into like my military experience you know in my younger days that i kind of thrive under pressure and and i perform well when when pressure's on me and i can kind of talk myself down so i feel like if if i see a a buck and he's a shooter and i don't have that time to kind of talk myself down i i feel like i I make the mistakes, um, or I feel like I, I, maybe they're not mistakes, but looking back, I'll be like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or, you know, however. And I, I feel like I, I do, um, I make mistakes, make kind of rookie moves, I guess, because I don't have that time to, like, process and be like, okay, this is going to happen, and put myself in that deer's shoes. A lot of times when I see a deer coming in from a distance, I'm like, okay, what's he going to do? Where is he going to, to move? How's he going to use this terrain to try to, you know, scent check where he's going or what he's doing or, you know, running does or whatever. And I try to put myself two steps ahead of what that deer is doing. Whereas transversely, if you see that deer and he's right there at 30 yards and he's coming quick, you know, you're, you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants, you know, grabbing your bow, getting hooked up, whatever the case may be. Um, I feel like those are, more accident prone situations yeah i would say usually nine times out of ten it's usually f- my scenarios are fly by the seat of my pants and bad shit happens mm-hmm. um last october i had a had a uh scenario play out and it was actually i it was it was gonna start out being kind of balls to the wall but then it then he kind of bumped out into the food plot and it kind of slowed out, but I thought he was on edge. I just read his body language different than what it actually was. And I think that, that it can also go into, you know, your mind as, you know, you think a deer's on edge or something and, and he's really not. And being able to read that body language correctly can really affect how you approach your shot or, you know, if you stop him or if, if he's, just out there hanging out or, you know, if he's going to duck your string or whatever, being able to read that body language is key. And that was one of the few scenarios that I've been able to have the ability to read it. And I read it wrong, but that's just because most of my encounters while bow hunting are quick. You know, it's, I see that deer at 50 yards and boom, he's in my lap in, you know, four seconds. 
are you hunting mostly like rut hunt transition or you know funnels and stuff like that yeah most of these encounters are you know at the beginning of november you know yeah. through the 20th of november so typically but, the deer's on the move he's going from point a to point b just out seeking and yeah you know, there's, and then on these couple you know oddball hunts that i've had in october where i've encountered a good buck that i want to shoot um it's just kind of played out wrong because i haven't had that many encounters in that scenario and mm-hmm. um it, it's just proven out in the hunt you know it's just it is what it is and um, that's something that I'm trying to work on. So just being able to see that deer multiple times, I think would help in the moment because you're not just like enamored by, Oh shit, there's, you know, a shooter, you know, right. being able to, and I, a lot of that, you know, I, I'm almost kind of jealous of, um, younger people that are not necessarily just getting into hunting, but, you know, guys that don't know that have never hunted without the ability to have trail cameras out there. You know, I, I was in my twenties, my early twenties when, when trail cameras were, you know, I was out of the military at 22 and trail cameras were still, you know, just kind of fledgling things. And like I said, they were still film cameras and, you know, you get your, your films full and you, you go and spend six bucks to get the de- film developed and you have nine squirrels, a doe and a, a bird, you know, and it, uh, you know, the, the, God, the, ability, yeah. the anticipations wish, on a whole nother level when you got to go get it developed. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I wish that looking back now that I had the ability to have trail cameras out in the woods and to learn and do what I do now when I was younger, you know, and, you know, I really didn't even get serious into, you know, trophy hunting until I was out of the military and moved home. You know, when I was in the military, it was still, I was hunting, you know, I was huge bow hunter still, but I was hunting, you know, five different states, shooting 15 deer a year with my bow, you know, and, and hunting, you know, Carolinas and Virginia and Ohio and West Virginia and, all these different places, but none of them were anything substantial. It was more, you know, just, I was deer hunting and, but you didn't have the ability to see what's out in the woods. And I think, you know, with the, with trail cameras and where the way they are now, and you know, there's not a deer. I you'd be hard pressed to find a deer in Ohio. That's not on somebody's trail camera someplace. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, there's not that like surprise factor that you would have, you know, 25 years ago, you know, you had 135 inch deer walk by you, you were going to shoot it because you didn't know if there's anything bigger out there. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's bigger out there and maybe that 135 just doesn't do it anymore for you, you know? Yeah, so. definitely change the game. If that's like us, we, sometimes we'll go into a public piece and have no intel at all. Mm-hmm. And we'll just go in there like, here we go. <laughs> if it right. gets me fired up, I'm shooting. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing we go through there. You know what I mean? Like, it could be 5.30 and you you know, you know got an hour of daylight left, but if 140's out there, you're like, ah, shit. Yeah. I'm pretty jacked right now, but, right. and you have no idea. You're sitting in that stand, you're like, a 200, 220 could come out right now and, and have no idea that I mean, it's even Yeah, there. literally the possibility right. is pretty high that it, it yeah. can happen you know yeah. and 
the area that we hunt it there's it's just good good genetics around here you know what i mean so a big deer popping up somewhere random isn't insanely it isn't impossible you know what i mean sure. so having a 180 inch deer come out you know what i mean it's like yeah it well, could I mean, happen when, when people so. find dead heads and sheds and stuff and you know i mean it, it gets around the town you know what i mean so right and then when you have an encounter with a good buck or whatever, you, I mean, you kind of know what's in the area and shit happens. <laughs> yeah, without, mm-hmm. we, we've said it multiple times that without trail cameras, our whole entire strategy of hunting would be different. It's just, oh, yeah. Everybody's is. It'd be a be. different, completely different outlook on how we hunted. I mean, if we went off what we've seen in the summer, we'd be hunting a place right now where there's absolutely zero deer. <laughs> no deer at right. all. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. props to the guys that were getting it done back then before they had yeah, you know absolutely. trail cams and the the knowledge to get it done there's guys out there getting it done on giant deer every year you know what i mean and yep woodsmanship trail cameras did take some woodsmanship away i know that but oh for sure i feel yep. like back back then though i mean people were out there trying to fill the freezer to get some food you know oh, yeah. a lot more and uh yeah they hunted a lot more because of that fact that they needed to get Everybody had eight kids. I mean, you know shit, what I mean? a solid 120. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're like, hell yeah. yeah. Everybody had eight kids that they needed to feed. So they're like, I got to get in the woods and hunt solid time to be able to feed all these kids. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I need. If I had eight kids, you know how much? <laughs> I'd be like, babe, no way we're feeding these yeah. kids. All right. <laughs> Rewind. Yeah. <laughs> get that. yeah, that's what, that's what I'm doing. But like, right, there's no way we're feeding all these kids. I'm about to hunt all of October. I got to take it off work. We got to get some food in the freezer because I ain't feeding these kids any other way. <laughs> Gives you a good reason to. Right? Yeah. But, uh, so that was, uh, the first one. Um, I guess, um, I'm trying to think of some of the more, um, exciting ones. Um, my first one, my 170, um, I shot him, uh, October 18th. That was, uh, day before the new moon um he uh i shot him at five like five fifteen in the evening and uh i had there's a couple apple trees on the farm that i had kept trimmed up and they produced apples pretty good every year and that buck was coming into him and i was getting photos of him and i uh i got him uh i went in i would go in to, and check that camera at lunchtime um you know, and a lot of, I, I feel like a lot of, um, my success is the ability with my work and everything to do exactly that, to run in at lunchtime, check cameras if I need to, you know, have the ability to get out for an evening hunt if, if I want, because, you know, a cold front's coming through or, or whatever, you know, a lot of success, if you pay attention to, successful hunters that have killed a lot of deer a lot of them have those type of jobs where they can just be in the woods you know when they need to be in the woods um so a lot of times they're you know we're not better hunters we just have the ability to be there when we know we need to be there and and uh, get it get it done that way but and that's what happened with this buck you know i went in at noon and i had uh, checked my camera and the night before he had come through right at very last light, um, the evening. It was kind of a, a fence crossing funnel there. 
when we would go out to the apple tree and uh, and I had him there just before dark and then right before um, daylight the next morning I had him going back into the timber so I knew he was close or should have been close because they don't typically move that much you know that late after the morning so I knew he should be typically within you know 100 150 yards or so it was pretty thick in there so he had plenty of bedding and uh so i was like well i gotta get here so i uh i got in there got up in the stand about 4 30 and uh just kind of got settled in and, and situated and uh i heard a, a twig snap down the hill and i looked and I, I saw legs and i um pulled up my binos and i saw it was a little spike buck and he kind of worked his way up and they were kind of circling kind of downwind of those apple trees and, and heading up to the fence crossing and the small spike almost went underneath me and he turned and went up through the uh the fence crossing and up into the apple tree and then i heard something else below me and i looked and i was kind of just dumbfounded that i mean there he was at, at 5 15 in the evening 170 inch deer that i had no daylight photos of at all standing there in broad daylight sun shining on him like you know just like a mythical creature standing there and uh he he comes up and there's a lot of beach in there and he was kind of underneath a beech tree and i didn't know it but there was some does that had come in and they were i don't know if they scented the base of my tree because i the wind was wrong for the lock-ons i had in there so i took a climber in that day and I don't know if they smelled where I was at the base of the tree or what, but they kind of like spooked when he was at like 15 yards underneath this beech tree. They kind of just, you know, how they get when they get to the base of the tree and they smell something, they just kind of bound and take a few leaps or whatever. Or I don't know if they did it from my my scent or if the fact that he was coming up the hill kind of pushed him away. But either way, they kind of spooked a little bit and kind of startled me because I didn't even know they were there. And uh, he kind of stopped and just was kind of surveying everything. And, and then he, he turned and, and, and he came up into my shooting lane and I, I self-filmed it. And he turned to kind of walk up towards the fence crossing. And uh, I shot him at like uh, 19 yards and uh, kind of a hard quartering shot. And he ran 40 yards and stopped and tipped over dead right there. Um, so that was uh, a pretty memorable hunt for me there, just because he was my uh, my first buck to hit the magic 170 mark. Oh yeah, so that that one was two days before the new moon. What was the first one? Uh, the first one was on the new moon. On the new moon. So are you seeing? I know you've said both, but are you killing more before the new moon or after? Um, the majority of it is going, majority of the ones I've killed in the new moon have been the, the days going into. So it's the three days prior to up to the new moon, but I have killed, um, several, the two days after the new moon. Um, so I, that's why I'm the three days after the new moon. So that's why I incorporate those two, but the, the majority of them seem to be going into that new moon, um, leading up to it and is so i I know like a lot of people are going to say oh it's a cold front but cold front can't happen (laughs) every year the same time you know what i mean right yeah so how many of these hunts that's kind of why i want to have you on the podcast i wanted to break this down 
because when you listen to it, I know there's a lot of people assuming stuff when they listen. Sure. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. so um, how many so of these the, were associated with a cold front or something like that? Um, several of them, obviously. If if you can get that new moon, like the the perfect scenario would be, um, like say the fifteenth is the new moon and the fourteenth you get a a cold front come in where you get like a nice 10 degree, 15 degree temperature drop from, you know, 70 to 55 or so. And you get that transition, you know, uh, moon underfoot the last hour of daylight or something along that. That's like the perfect scenario. And those, when those days happen, which are, are few and far between when you try to get all the stars to align, you know, those days, like my confidence level going into the woods is just through the roof that I'm, I'm going to see the deer that I'm after. Um, but I, I kind of covered that on, um, the Exodus podcast and there would be times that I would sit out and, and I always felt, you know, um, obviously I feel like weather kind of trumps the, the moon phase if you get a cold front or whatever, but there's the, my 180 that I killed, you know, he, the year I shot him, which was, uh, 2018, um, we had a, a really hot snap in, in Ohio there, the, right in the middle of October, right in the middle of the new moon, it was 92 degrees for like two days. And I sat him out and I, you know, I, I run wireless cameras and the one night, the, the first night I sat out, um, sat at home, it was 91 degrees. And I'm like, there's no point in, in hunting there. Nothing's going to move in this heat, you know, it's humid, just hot, miserable. And, uh, sure enough, my right at last light, I get a Spartan goes off and I, uh, look at my camera and there he is right at last light and feeding through the Oaks. You know, I was like, well, dang, I screwed up. I can't believe he was moving, you know? So the next night it was even hotter. I think it was 93 degrees. And, uh, I'm like, well, I'm not going to hunt again. You know, I missed my chance yesterday. And that was kind of stupid. And lo and behold, my, you know, phone goes off at prime time again and, and shooting light. There he is standing at a corn feeder of all things, which, you know, I, it, uh, that, that one really surprised me because I just don't feel like big mature deer, you know, or that, um, susceptible to 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 be shot over a corn feeder because they're they you know they've been around the block a few times so so that kind of changed my my outlook on on the the uh the cold front phase or the weather side of of the moon but to the point that if if i'm on a specific deer and i want to kill him if if the wind is right i'm going to be in a stand someplace to put myself in the position to kill that deer whether it's 90 degrees or 55 degrees or 50 degrees or whatever. So I just feel that deer was, was pretty special. I mean, I had his pattern figured out really well. Uh, the previous year, um, he was, I honestly, I feel like he was five inches bigger than, as a four-year-old than he was a five-year-old. Um, he has a slight non-typical. He had a big, 12 inch double main beam and uh i was really hoping he'd blow up into a 200 but he uh right when i had figured out his pattern in 2017 um 
he uh he showed up and snapped his entire right side off like two inches above his pedicle oh man um, so <laughs> it and what the real kick to the junk on that one was like i had just figured out his pattern i thought for sure that I, you know my opportunity to kill him was coming up soon and his running mate all summer was a just a stud 165 inch 23 and a half inch wide 10 point um and he started showing himself in that new moon phase and i took my wife in and she killed him for her first compound bow kill um and then then it was i think the day or the day after that is the one i was targeting showed up and it broke his entire beam off I was like, oh. so um going into 18 when i killed him i had his pattern figured out and where he was summering and and was probably a half a mile away and he would summer on about 15 acres he would he would bed on the property that i was i had leased and he would feed in the neighboring soybean field and i would get and i planted a, a small soybean section right up on top on the back side of that bedding area and i just got amazing photos of him up there during the summer growing just like I, I got a really cool photo of him skylined with the full moon in the background. Like it's just, he was, it was like a, a calendar uh, <laughs> type uh, location for him. And, and then when he would shed velvet as he did the year before he disappeared right, you know, mid to late September. And uh, you know, the year before it, it took me about two and a half weeks to figure out where he moved to. And this year, or then 2018, when he disappeared, I knew where exactly to go look for him. And when I did, I spread out my cameras and and picked him up the day that I moved my cameras. And he would, jumped right back on the same pattern that I had him on the year before that he broke off. And so at that point, I knew for certain in, in my mind that I was going to get the opportunity to kill him because I was already you know, two weeks ahead of where it was the year before. So, and uh, then I ended up shooting him uh, October 18th in the, uh, the second, uh, second day after the new moon. Nice. So when I, when I asked you to come on, I was super, I looked at the ascended forecast and I was like super mm -hmm. jacked. I've been yeah. telling homie I was yeah, jacked yeah, yeah. about What's yeah, going it looks on? pretty amazing for the new moon. <laughs> yeah, so the newborn new moon is the fifteenth, right? Sixteenth. The sixteenth. Okay, the day before the new moon. It's why we're always a day off. You got a low of thirty-seven. Yeah. High of fifty-eight. The day before the new moon. The yeah. day before that, you're seventy and fifty. Yeah. So you're talking a ten to thirteen degree temperature drop the day before the new moon. On a Thursday that I probably will be leaving early from work, <laughs> but All right. I was really jacked when I had you come on talk about the new moon. And I looked at it, I looked at the extended forecast. I was like, man, uh, shit, the stars are aligning here, yeah. boys. Yeah, right. so, yeah. It's it's funny you say that because I've I, I I I'm I shit you not. I've had probably four different people text me or message me on Facebook screenshots of that, of that cold front. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it looks like the cold front's going to stay here for a while, but what we seen was the second day of this first cold front was really mm -hmm. good. 
and this yeah. is going to be and the I, second I day. Kind of the the second day always seems to be the sweet spot. Yeah. I feel like and the same thing with like um, like turkeys. If you ever notice, you get like crappy weather turkey hunting, and then you get those bright sunny mornings, and it's you know just blue sky days. It's always seems like by the third day, the turkeys are just tearing the woods up in the spring. It's just like and, they've been honed down and then right. like and then all like up by and they're day three, they're just full bore going yeah. nuts. Well, yeah. deer, I feel like are kind of the same way with, with cold fronts they, you know, a day or two after the cold front is when they really seem to kind of kick in. And as, especially late season, you know, you get a, a a really cold snap and you have a food source and you get down into those single digits and, and negative, uh, uh, temps at night by the third day, those deer, they're, they're cold and they're hungry and they're, they're coming to food, you know? So the main thing is we're releasing this Wednesday, the 14th guys. Okay. It is two days before the new moon and it is one day before this cold front hits. <laughs> so the guys that are listening to this that want to try this vacation yeah, tac- tactics out, if you can get out in the evening and hunt. Yeah, I would be on a food source. If you if you have a target buck and you have an idea where he's bedding for the most part and you have done your homework and you know where he's going to feed or he's been showing up to feed, I would say your probability of seeing him on the hoof and is probably right there the day before the new moon on the 15th. The buck behind the pond, homie. The buck behind the pond. 14th, 15th. All right. Going Let's down. Go. <laughs> <laughs> we we got a buck pinned down real solid. Um, um, Just waiting, waiting to strike. Waiting for it to get cold again. And this is the moment. This is the moment right here. So. Hopefully it doesn't throw any goofy, screwy winds at us. And, you know. The- West, northwest. Yeah, so you should be I'll take it. I need a northwest. For the way he's going, northwest is what I need. Are you going to hunt the Perfect. dam or the walnut? I'm going to hunt in between somewhere in there. Okay. Try to catch him in transition. Yeah. We got a buck yeah. going to a scrape. Last cold front, he went to the scrape. Um, a scrape hit it um, about an hour after dark, and he was coming back three days in a row during this cold front. And then mm-hmm. uh, pulled another cam, and he was up. Um, after he'd hit that scrape going back in this area later than he was on the scrape going right into where we thought he was bedding and it just combined the pieces and I was like we always talk about going with the gut and feeling you know you feel like it's deers in this area by your trail cam pictures and it was on a mobile and um, I don't know why in our brain we we feel like we got something figured out but in our mind we're like where this deer is bedding he shouldn't be there like there's no reason for him to be there. It's dumb, silly but spot. That's why he's there. And in my mind, I'm like, that's no way he's there. You know what I mean? And Ooh. then you pull the other cam, you're like, damn it, this deer was there <laughs> yeah. the whole time. You know the what I mean? Whole and time. I knew yeah. it, but I was just, and he's gonna be there again. You know what I mean? So sure. I'm thinking. That's why when I had you on, I'm the whole time I'm thinking, man, this buck cruise in that. North wind, slip in the backside, catch him coming to that scrape just like he was. He's going to be up earlier, feeding along the edge of that cornfield, and we're going to be there. Nice, you know, this year the, the new moon being the 16th, you're starting, you're starting to get that 
their testosterone levels are starting to get a little bit higher. That scraping activity is going to be getting a little bit higher. You know, you're not, they're still in their core areas. They're not out wandering around looking and, you know, testing the waters, I guess, of neighboring farms and stuff like that. And, you know, for the most part, it, it, the month like that because it's they're still you know you start getting into the the latter part of the month they're starting to get the legs on them you know they're going to start wandering to the neighbors to see if you know who's what does are hanging out over here and whereas you know that that 15th they're still they're still you know test levels are still rising their their scrape activity is really starting to pick up their rubbing activity is really picking up and they really start to transition from that you know, summertime looking buck to that swollen neck, just monster, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that time frame right there in the middle is when I feel like you're really, I'm super jacked right now. I'm super jacked. This is <laughs> yeah, all next stars are aligning. This <laughs> next weekend, next week at work, if I'm working anywhere close to you, it's going to be brutal. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I don't, I'm out. I'm not even here right now. I'm leaving at noon. <laughs> so trucker clock at noon. Yeah, yeah, trucker clock at noon. I'm out. <laughs> but it looks like Stenic forecast is a lot of bucks are going to die here. I hope so. It stays, it's just stays good. Here, so. I mean, I, this is kind of one of the cooler October's that I remember. You know, the last several, it seemed like it stayed pretty pretty warm all the way up until the end of October and into November, you know, some, some yeah. of them years. So homie, the yeah. 19th is, uh, it's saying rain. That's a Tuesday. It's saying rain. It's a Monday, Monday. Okay. Rain and 36. That's like your bread and butter that time of year. <laughs> on the scrapes. Yeah. There you Bro. go. Hitting Look those out. scrapes. Look out. Yeah. yeah. Is it rain in the morning? Or yeah. Right. It's saying, yeah. Out? It's saying, if it says AM rain, yeah, Don't scrape. say it says AM rain. <laughs> <laughs> Scrapes are on. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah, that's those are the ones I like when you get the those cold fronts like that and then the rain, you know, and it uh, stops oh, yeah. or late afternoon and you know the going into a, another story. It's a uh, my 165. I shot him. It was September 30th, but the October new moon that year was like the the first, I believe, or the second. And uh, I shot, ended up shooting him on the September 30th, which was open in week, obviously in Ohio. And uh, it was the temperature that day. It was like 57 during the day. The last it showed that it was going to drop like 10 degrees or 12 degrees. The last like hour and a half of daylight. And it had rained all day long, just that like drizzling, just rain, you know, miserable to be out in, you get wet, you know, and uh, I'm like, man, I, and it was calling for it to stop, you know, closer to the, you know, prime time. And I'm like, oh, this is, you got a cold front coming in, you got to rain all day, uh, it's supposed to stop. I'm like, I got to get it in the woods, you know, so at that time, I, uh, I had my buddy that was filming me i had him i'm like called him up i was like dude you gotta get out of the wood work early tonight and get down here i'm like it's gonna happen and uh we got in there and got set up and we were in a elevated blind and it was a pop-up on a on an elevated blind uh platform there and you know it it 
would start raining and it was like torrential downpours. And I'm like, man, it's supposed to stop. And it was like gusting winds and, and then it would stop. And every time it would stop, deer would like pour out into this, this uh, clover field that I had planted and they'd feed around a little bit and another like storm would move in and the wind would blow and it'd like clear the field. And then it did that like two or three times. And then, um, the last one was an absolute, like we were hanging onto the blind, like it, the wind was like trying to blow it away. And, and, uh, it was just like crazy. And then it stopped in about five minutes after it stopped, like a little glint of sun kind of peeked through the cloud and you could just feel that like that as that storm came through, you could feel that temperature just plummeting. Right. It went from like that, that warm rain to just like bone chilling, like chill. And five minutes after it stopped, I looked over to my right and that buck was stepping out into the field. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, I think, uh, 645 or seven, uh, he was 705 is what that one was. And, uh, he kind of started heading out into the field and started trotting out into the middle and I uh, ran it at him three times. He stopped and I shot him at 35 yards and he ran about 110 yards and piled up. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a good hunt too. Had, had it, had it completely stopped or was it still kind of it in the... completely stopped after that last okay. rain? It was like, he knew it was done. Like they, it was, it would rain and get pretty heavy and windy. And then it would stop for like 15 minutes and the deer would kind of come out of the woods and then it would rain again. They'd go back in and then it would stop and they'd come back out. And it did that a few times as the evening progressed. And that last like nasty pour that it had and it stopped and like the, the cloud like split open and a little ray of sun like shined down. And it was like moments later that buck was standing on the edge. And I, I think, you know, when you get those rains like that, it, it gets them on their feet, you know, it stops raining, they're soaking wet, they stand up, they shake it off and they, and they move around a little bit, you know, and if you're close to where they're bedding, and that field I had put um, that I had planted, they they bedded just off the the uh, east side of it, the southeast side of it. It was an old goat pasture that uh, was all grown up and just multiflora rows, and you know you couldn't run a rabbit out of it with a beagle if you tried. Um, and then deer would get in there and just bed up and you know pop out and all times of the day and kind of feed in that field as they felt leisure too, you know. Yes, yeah, I've a. I've seen that with high winds too. Like if you have a cold front with high winds coming in, when those winds stop, deer get up. It's like they can yep. hear, they feel more comfortable. Sure. I killed a They've buck a few years out. ago and it was high winds. The trees were shaking. I got in there real close to where I thought he was bedding and I hung up, I hung a stand and hunted him. And right when those winds stops, not five minutes later, he's up hitting a scrape. I'm like, it didn't take very long. You know what I mean? But he just. Right was wait biding his time he's like hey yeah. it's too windy i can't hear anything a lot of stuff going on wind stops you know no matter when you're hunting when you get closer to evening it seems like the wind dies down yeah you know I mean? right I, yeah. in second shotgun season i've had that happen a couple of times i've been close to bedding and then you know you're you're getting that feeling like you know it's happening about four thirty, five o'clock you're like okay i got i got an hour until like prime time you know mm-hmm 
And then next thing you know, you got a buck real close and you're like, you know, but that wind's dying down with, you know, the sun going down and it, it just all is yeah. starting to come together. I think they just mm-hmm. feel so much comfortable. They could probably smell a little better. Oh, yeah. Wind ain't blowing. Sure. They could hear a little better. After it's, they've been, you know, hunkered down. Yeah, they've been hunkered down with yeah. that wind blowing yeah. so hard and then they when just pop out. You know, their, their ears are their defense, their noses are their defense, and their eyes. You know, those are their defenses. And when, when you have high winds, their their sense of smell, their winds gusting, so they can't pinpoint where smell is coming from. Then everything in the woods is moving, so their eyes are designed to pick up movement. And when every stick and every limb and leaf in the woods is moving, they can't pick up movement and they can't hear. So, you know, they just lay down and and hunker down until all that settles down. And once they feel safe to where they can kind of, you know, get their surroundings under control again, they, uh, they get up and start, you know, feeding around and just kind of being deer, you know? Yeah, that's something not to overlook, but I don't know how many people has come on this podcast and said, right after a rain is when I killed, mm-hmm. or it rained and then I went out and it died, or it started misting and then I killed. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I told my story of my 180 on the Exodus, so I won't go over that too in, in depth, because that's a, that's my, I mean, he's obviously my biggest buck, but that the way that story hall and hunt all went down was, is amazing. Um but that day it rained most of the day and and stopped at four o'clock and you know it stopped at four o'clock right as i pulled in i didn't get on stand till 4 30 i felt i was kind of behind the the eight ball getting in the stand because i bumped a couple does that were already up on their feet i get on stand get situated and at 5 15 I, I saw him way down in the bottom come out and it you know it took him about 45 minutes to work his way that 300 and some yards towards me but you know that that was right after rain stopped as well so yeah you we've had multiple people come on and right after that rain dude people people don't want to go out because it's raining they don't want to get wet and and you know suffer through it homie tried to do that here just a couple days ago (laughs) yeah but the rain never stopped (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's the worst is uh you know, it, when you get out there and, and it it starts raining while you're out there and it rains the rest, of the, like that's the last thing. But if I if I can get out there and I look at the weather and it's supposed to stop at that last hour of daylight or last hour and a half of daylight, I will go get wet to be there when it stops. Because there you don't want to wait for it to stop and then go and get in the woods, or you're you're too late. You need yeah, to was... be in your stand ready when that rain stops because it literally it happens instantaneously i feel like once once that rain stops them deer stand up out of their beds shake off and start kind of meandering around you know whether they go in open scrapes or just kind of mill around you know they've been hunkered down getting wet all day so they're up moving around again yeah this this hunt was like literally the closest we had been to this bedding area all of the extra you know everything else has been lining up we had some pretty good access to this spot to crush in especially in early october and um went in there and the weather is supposed to stop raining at 5 30 so i'm like okay i'll be able to get in there get quiet it's still going to be you know pretty soft on the f- ground to get in there 
get on this oak flat, maybe go a little past. We're going to kind of do some scouting on the way in, see what it looked like. Um, there was a couple trees about 100 yards past that oak flat to get in and get set up. Um, the oak flat looked good, but I went in and pressed in, got set up, and um, I looked at the radar when I got everything set up, and the green blob just kept growing over the Mississippi. <laughs> it just kept, kept growing. Worse and worse. <laughs> growing. I'm like, all right, let's look at the future. Okay, the future looks good. All right, let's look at the present. Okay, yeah. It was supposed to stop raining an hour ago. <laughs> where, where is this at? It just kept over the Mississippi. It, it either dies out or it keeps growing. Yeah, one or the other. Oh, wow. And this thing just kept growing. It, yeah, it and was it like, got wet. We had all southeast, night. which is a weird win for us. It was like the perfect access to backdoor in between this bedding and oak flat that we thought he was feeding in, mm-hmm. our, our giant public land deer that we're after, and homie goes way in there, super radical to get into during a rainstorm. And the, I'm at home with my kids. It's my kid's birthday. <laughs> and I'm like, this dude's killing tonight. The whole time, I'm like, this. I mean, uh, the odds are super high. Yeah, I'm like, this dude is killing a 190-inch deer <laughs> tonight. <laughs> And I'm gonna have to go out there and drag him out at dark. I sent Cody a pin when I got to the yard. I was like, "Here we are." Yeah, he sent me a pick. I'm like, "Oh, you're in the money. <laughs> yeah. If you made yeah. it that far, like, you are dude, so solid." Dude, if I was solid. at home and I got that pin, I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, I was super jacked, and uh, just never stopped raining. He had some encounters that night, but man, yeah. it just just kept raining, 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 and that buck never showed up. Of course, but if oh. it would have stopped raining, man. man it would have been. If, if it would have stopped raining at 5, 5.30 like it was supposed to, I feel like it was a really good yeah. opportunity. Yeah. So we've been we've been literally like betting a hunter on every hunt. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How much yeah. how much you got to put on the line? I got $100. All right, I'm putting it all on right now. <laughs> October 4th. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Right? But it is what it is. But, hey, man, we don't want to take up all your night, but I appreciate you coming on. You've put out some absolute incredible content for Exodus and us. And um, with this new moon coming up, with this cold front, I wanted to have you on again just to blast this to some more people. Our ultimate goal is to make everybody that listens to us be successful. You know what I mean? Sure. And if well, we like can help said. that be any any way, you know yeah. what I mean? We want to do it. So we appreciate yeah. you coming on and sharing this, you know, knowledge yeah, that you found out. You know, if it if it helps some one person kill the deer they're after by and you know, maybe they start, you know, using it more than, you know, yeah, it's so worth it at that point, you know, what I mean? you know yeah. it, it's worth it, but you know, it, it's not, nothing about deer hunting is a, is a given science and, uh, everybody's got their own, you know, if you talk to a hundred guys that are continuously killing big deer, they're all going to have some sort of pattern that they're doing it in and probably no two will be identical, you know, so there's no right or wrong or, or set in stone way of doing it. You just have to find what works for you and what works for your property and uh, take advantage of, of whatever you can and any weaknesses that you can find in their patterns, you know? All right, guys, this cold front is coming. The new moon is coming. Is it coming in your holes? It's right. It's close. (laughs) It's like a day away. You know what I mean? This extended forecast is showing it's going to happen. Get out in the woods. Get that target buck. 
get whatever you got going on down. Hope you have a successful year and you get it done in the next three days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's that's what this episode's about. We wanted to release this guy to you guys right before this cold front's lining up. Perfect. Um, you know what we say. Always do the right thing. Leave a legacy and go kill a freaking buck. And White to Legacy is out.